Hi, and welcome to the Insiders by Durham Lane, where we get perspectives from industry thought leaders about strategies that are unifying marketing and sales cycles to help accelerate growth inside your world. Welcome to the Insiders by Durham Lane, an industry podcast that connects the worlds of marketing and sales one guest at a time. I'm your host, Richard Lane. I'm co-founder and chief commercial officer of Durham Lane. We're a revenue acceleration agency and we help enterprise customers create always-on channels of meaningful and well-qualified sales opportunities. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Auntie Nukanen. Auntie is head of marketing for the infrastructure division at AFRI, an international engineering design and advisory company that drives digitalization and sustainability for energy infrastructure and industrial sectors on a global basis. Auntie, it's great to have you on the show, and uh, thank you for being with us. Thank you, Richard. It's a pleasure. Since I got to know this podcast, I've listened to it for several episodes now, and indeed, really, really glad to be here. Excellent. As a, as a way to get started, perhaps you could uh, introduce yourself to our listeners so they get a, a better understanding of who you are before we get into the, the detail of today's discussion. Yes. Yeah, so, so my name is Antti and I'm living in Finland. And, and worked in, in marketing roughly 20 years from mobile solutions to, to Harley Davis and motorcycles. Also been now at A3 quite a few years. How long, actually, it depends on slightly how you count it. Years back, I was a marketing manager in an architectural agency, which proved then to, to be the biggest one in Finland. And one day the company was acquired by Pöyry a global engineering and consulting company. And, and then one day, Oedo was acquired by OF. And as a result of that merger, then came A3. Like, I mean, A3, we are an engineering company. In our division, we work a lot with infra and real estate sector customers. We do not have many, like, like full-time salespeople. But instead, it's the department managers, section managers, business unit heads, and so on, who do the sales Richard, you know, this can bring advantages, but also challenges, this kind of a setup. And um, our people rarely have joined A3 because they want to sell. It's more like, how to say, they are there to, to design the world's best buildings and bridges and tunnels, you, you name it. Rarely people like cold calling, but uh, maybe our people like it less than average. And that's the kind of a number one thing for me is to, how to make that cold call warmer. So if we can do that, then marketing has done its job well. Well, perfect. That's um, a great way for us to get into the, the main content for today's episode of The Insiders, uh, Auntie. So so thank you for that. I, I also wonder whether the uh, the podcast should be focused on how to make your way through many acquisitions and stay in the same company <laughs> from your experience, but maybe we can leave that for another day. As co-founder of Durham Lane, I mean, we're a demand and lead generation business. Something that I've always been passionate about is like you, the, the cooperation and the, the togetherness or not of marketing and sales. And it's something that we have to work really hard on. And a lot of the insiders podcast is about that connection between marketing and sales. In your experience through AFRI and, and other iterations of the business, what are the biggest challenges that you've seen in the connection between those two departments? I think overall, you can say that the main three barriers, if you like, are, are the organizational structure or, or silos. Then the second one, perhaps the, the attitude. And, and the third one is, is the 
how to say, the lack of strategic alignment, meaning like, uh, you know, the strategic targets are not sufficiently broken down due to sales and marketing specific joint targets and, and incentives. So I, I would say these are the three main concerns that typically are going to hinder the, the good, for example, handling of the sales leads. Yeah. Okay. So silos, the attitude, maybe, uh, you know, I'm a marketeer or I'm a salesperson. And and then really importantly, the the strategy. And I guess there are two things there, aren't there? There's the leadership from the top, but also then the day-to-day activities from people doing the work at, at all levels of the business. So, I mean, demand and lead generation is interesting because you could say it sits towards the top of the sales funnel. So what are your thoughts around how we link sales and marketing together through the lead generation process? Yeah, there's uh, quite a few things that, of course, you could address and uh the organization is, of course, something that you can do something, you can't do something. One of the things, uh, if not going to kind of organizational structure as such, but at least to, to create the circumstances or, and responsibilities for, for lead handling. Sometimes, and this maybe comes to the, uh, also to the attitude side, so uh, it's easy for us as marketeers to think that, yeah, we now have this campaign up and running and we just measure it by page views and, and that's the end of story. Or, or then a salesperson uh, is thinking that uh, they are only interested in leads which they themselves find. If we have at least some loose teams that have some kind of a joint target, so that would be one thing. How we address this challenge at AFRI, it's been now like 12 months as the way it is. So we set some responsible people in the organization who are kind of looking after that the needs in this area will be handled. Not necessarily being handling them themselves, but just taking care and making sure that it will happen. Only by having this kind of a responsible person somewhere uh, lead it. If we now look back, so the net sales coming from the leads compared to what it was last year. So it was two and a half times bigger. Okay. You've set up uh, some dedicated people that are responsible for taking the lead and nurturing it and getting it sort of what I would call sales ready. You mentioned at the beginning of the episode that Afri has lots of salespeople that didn't join the business to, to sell maybe, but they joined the business to design and to build relationships. So have you created a link between the lead and those individuals? Yes, and I think what I would say that there's a lot of work to be done still, so we could be much, much better in all aspects. But I think what works sometimes really, really well is that when we have the responsibility on the right level, when the person is really aware about the, the expertise within AFRI in that specific customer segment or, or geography, so it's easier for her or him to assign the leads to the right person, say that, hey, auntie, you are an expert of this topic. Why don't you pick this one up? And and hope it also makes life easier in this case for auntie. Because, okay, this is an area that I do know a lot about. It is easier for, for me to contact that particular customer instead of somebody just uh, randomly throwing you a 10-name list saying that call this. Yes. Yeah, we've we've all been there, haven't we? So I guess it sounds like you're on you're on this journey, but I know marketing used to be very focused on brand and collateral. I think we we talked that in our in our pre-discussion that, you know, marketing was seen to be brand and the collateral that you might give a interested customer. But these days the buying journey 
has changed dramatically. It's become much more digital and marketeers are becoming more focused on revenue. Is that something that is happening inside of AFRI? I would say yes, uh, absolutely. And, and in short, I think it's a great development kind of, you know, forces us as marketeers to, to show the value for the yeah. rest of the organization, if you like. So kind of teaches us to speak the language that is understood in the corner office. I guess it's the, the topics like return on marketing investment, the value of marketing generated leads. And uh, it's, it's becoming now actually possible to measure all this, which was not possible, say, 10 years ago. So I think it's absolutely good development that marketing nowadays can increasingly is measured by the outcome. You know, the way I see it, the development can raise the value of us as marketers top-line growth, it can show that marketing is not only about the, the, the icing of the cake. I think this has helped to, to make the marketing work much, much more interesting, being the front line, if you like, like crafting the competitive advantage to bringing the customer insights to sales, contributing pricing, and be part of those business-critical decisions. Do you find that that is helping with the integration between marketing and sales, Auntie, if, if within A3? Is, has that shift in mindset or expectation has that brought the, the various departments closer together I, I would say yes so in, in a way now if i think about my my own work for instance compared to past so it feels like we're much much more now on to the core of the business like you said uh, as opposed to only producing the collateral it's like uh, now we much much have a bigger role what marketing can impact but of course it's not something that nobody's giving that bigger role to you but but focus on the revenue and, and the, the ability to show the results so that's something that helps of course making this and uh, but then there's of course you know the the other side of the coin and i think we discussed that it's perhaps not always only focusing on the short term yes but also the the branding part of it so you just can't ignore it and and if you try to optimize the return on investment on short term you probably run into problems in the long run yeah and, and I, I think it's it's a really interesting balance from a marketing perspective because if you only focus on activities that lead to immediate revenue then there will be activities that need to be done from a brand build from a recognition reputation point of view that that in the medium and long term will will affect you negatively so it's about value attribution and uh you know we regularly inside of durham lane have have discussions around where we spend our time and, and where we spend our focus and, and our money and and you have to get that balance right between i guess, i guess the tactical and the strategic initiatives and uh and it has to be connected indeed and and uh Maybe it's one of the things that helps to do that is to kind of keep your eyes on the customer and on the customer journey. So when we keep our eyes on the customer needs, so we are able to keep this, as you say, very, very delicate balance. Yeah, interesting. And 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 clearly you're a, you're a global business. So, you know, I'm, I'm talking from a, a Durham Lane perspective and we, you know, we operate in, I think, 76 countries ar- around the world for our customers, but we're a predominantly a UK a UK operation. Um, when when you become a global business, I think it becomes 
much more complicated. So one thing that we're interested in in the insiders is how you operate in a global construct as well. So clearly this goes beyond just sales and marketing, but to the whole organization telling that one story, whether you're in Western Europe, Eastern Europe, the Americas, etc. How, how have, uh, you know, do you have experiences of, of that in the work that you've you've done with Avery? Yeah, I think it's it's absolutely that the, the very, very crucial part here. And uh, maybe a, a story about how not to do this because I've also learned this uh, kind of a hard way. Like. <laughs> yeah. We often learn the best from the horror stories, don't we? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like that. Yeah, so years ago, I think it was like uh, six years ago, you know, then the marketing automation platforms were really like a new thing. And then I was like super convinced that no, yes, we need a marketing automation platform. And, and this was the time when, when marketing automation at least was mostly unknown for most people. I started to talk about it with the business management and with colleagues and so on. You know, the typical response was like, oh, but that, that's not perhaps very relevant for our business because, because our business is so unique. I bet many have heard these words before. Just talked about that and, and didn't get any, any traction. But um, <laughs> yeah. in, anyhow, then I purchased it, it and uh, I was then struggling with the fact that we are going to implement something which, which nobody really knows and nobody really wants. And uh, how the hell are we going to, to manage this? Or, or basically how I am going to, <laughs> to manage this. And uh, we really, really scratched our head with it. And, and uh, yes. I mean, and it's, it's go- I know that it's going to help us in not only in marketing, but also in sales and even more in sales, actually. But how can we really get into it? And uh, it was, uh, you know, a very, very tool-focused approach. And uh, if I'm thinking back today, you just can't emphasize enough the fact or the question, answering the question, why? I mean, we have all these good change management frameworks such as Adkar or, or anything what Kotkan has said and all that. But how is it that even we kind of know it in the back of our heads, we still are not putting that into action? And uh, I know this is only like one example yes. of this that tool focus, but even today, you know, all this talk about marketing technology stack and, and all, I mean, there are great tools available out there, but in the end of the day, it's all about change management and then people and and processes to to help to do the right thing. And at least, like I said, we are a pretty big organization. We're totally around 17,000 people. So the the technology is only enabled, but the foundation is then laid with people doing the right things every day. And like, you can have an expensive Ferrari, but if you don't have the skills to, to drive it, so then the end result will be outright dangerous even, or, 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 you know, you buy a Ferrari and then you can't afford to buy the fuel for it. So then you can't drive. <laughs> and, and the question that myself and I'm sure our listeners will have is, did you renew your expensive piece of marketing technology the following year? No, actually not, because luckily in the middle, like, like, <laughs> like I, I was, I realized that, okay, this is not going to work now. We need to approach it in a slightly different way. So again, we started to approach it from the customer point of view. How can we help the customer in all touch points? And then this was the story that we were telling internally, that this is how we can impact in these spaces. End result, happier customer. The other end result, moving the, these potential customers forward in the funnel. And, and, and that became the story of it and not mention the technology as such. Right. It's an enabler in the background. 
but it is the, the thing that why we are doing it. Of course, then you need to put it also in view of strategic targets where at the time we had like very ambitious growth targets. And uh, for example, that resulted heavy targets on sales, this many meetings, this many calls, this much sales. Yes. And then what, how we then connected to it that, hey, okay, guys, you have now the target. It's no, not only that there is the target, but we are also here to help you to reach that target. And, and that's how we are doing by, by bringing good quality needs. I've worked also in sales, and it wasn't the nicest feeling when you have the target to have seven meetings per week or have contacted seven leads. And then you need to present that on Monday morning meeting. And then on Sunday evening, you realize that, oh, I have only five. What can I do? <laughs> um, so it was the more or less focusing that how can we help our people to sell? It was not like a, an internal marketing effort to do something that we can send emails faster, for instance. But it's also true, like you said, that there are differences between different geographies. And that's, of course, the one needs to, to respect. I can see, for example, maybe talking about differences between Finns and Swedes. In, in Sweden, and now this is a very rough generalization, but I, I can see that people perhaps sometimes in, in marketing are more forward-leaning and, and seeing the opportunities, whereas uh, when you tell a Finn that what could possibly go wrong and what here are all the things that can go wrong, then the Finn is happy that it's good. They have thought about all these doubts. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, so many... So many cultural differences. That's uh, something else that needs to be thought very, very clearly about when you're building any campaign or running any program, isn't it? So, so um, a story there of of what not to do, Auntie. In in terms of, uh, you know, we're very keen to enable our listeners to go away with with some actions from our from our conversation. So, what's the one thing that you can share that our audience can take away and and action immediately? I think, and this is not like anything new or fancy or super and uh, expensive even, but I think it's something that has been the best thing that I've done in, in my career. And this is also related to the change management that we discussed. So when we conducted a buyer persona and customer journey mapping workshop, and I think that's what, what most marketing units do at some point. So uh, with that, we managed to do the most difficult thing to to kind of connect the people in, in marketing, connect the people in sales, getting good feedback from sales that, okay, this is what our customers are like. And uh, also then after that, putting the, the results into practice after the workshop. So that's apparently not easy as well. And uh, yeah. a lot to... <laughs> lot to achieve on on that front but uh i think there were good uh, things like recently just recently one of my colleagues ha colleagues has hosted uh excellent workshops within marketing communications people that this is how you utilize uh the the buyer personas in, in, in communications planning and execution and and also even like exercises that uh let's plan a Google ad for this kind of persona and that kind of persona and then kind of learn to see the possibilities, how, how to use them in practice. So so what I'm taking from that onto is firstly, bring the various teams together through a very specific 
activity around the buyer journey, so the personas and and how your customers buy from you, and then as importantly, put it into action post post workshop. You know, it's uh, it's not easy bringing together, bringing people together. It's not easy running workshops, and it's not easy following up. Yeah. So tackle each of those at a time, and then you'll end up creating. Um, some synergies and and getting your your business to work more effectively together in and and that that uh that quest for for smarketing as you as you might call it exactly um we've got a new feature in the insiders where we we go out to our community and and uh, ask for some questions i've got a question here from from james which i think is is very relevant to you and your world at, at a3 onto so the question from james is how can you install a selling culture or revenue mindset into organizations that are more product or project management focused? Excellent question. We'll just ask him to listen to the first half of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but any, any further, do you have any further thoughts on, on that? I think, yeah, this is, this is, I can very much relate to that because I think it, about, if we think about Avery, for instance, so the project management or, or that kind of, it's, it's very core of our company DNA. So now we're really, Again, come to this change management question, and uh, the first thing that comes to mind is these processes. So the sales process and the project delivery process need to be very well connected, aligned. So it's clear from the also from the process perspective that we all play in the same game here, and and, and there is no project execution if nobody sells the project. Yes, in a way. And and then let's say if we think about the expert organization, so uh, and and how. People feel the B2B sales sometimes. So quite often it's understood in a way that uh, it's not probably my thing. And, and the salespersons, they are somewhat different. They are like uh, very pushy and aggressive. And you know, the first thought is that, you know, that kind of secondhand car salesman. And uh, then I think that's totally wrong picture. And, and years back, we have had sales training for, for managers. We've been discussing a lot about what is B2B sales. In an expert organization and in the end of the day it turns out that many people are are doing it already they just don't call it sales it's just yes it's somehow like about helping your customer like for example you're at the customer's construction site and you suggest some improvements when you have had your ears and eyes opened and the customer is happy they get improvements and then you get act on sales but again, it comes to change management and, and training part of it. So like training is the important part of it. And then even more important, of course, is the management will actually then actively walk the talk after the training. Yeah, and I, I think the conversation we had also around marketing being rev, a revenue generation machine as well is is a key part to changing culture. You know, if you're measuring your various functions by their ability to create revenue, not only, but as part of it, then you start to change the mindset inside of organization as well. So some good advice there. Thank you. Yeah. So we're coming to the end of our conversation, Auntie. It's been uh, an absolute pleasure speaking with you. We've got one last question, often the hardest to answer, but we, uh, we're building a, the Insider's Spotify playlist and we ask every guest if they would like to provide us with a song that we can add to the playlist. So what would you like us to, to add on your behalf? Yeah, I can understand that this is the hard question, the difficult for me as well, but maybe a song by Finnish band Amorphis, and, and it's called House of Sleep. House of Sleep by Amorphis, excellent. Well, it's great to it's great to have it by a 
a Finnish band. I will be sure to check them out and we'll get them added to the growing Insider Spotify playlist. Onto has been, a, as I said, absolute pleasure. Thank you for appearing on The Insiders. Really appreciate your time today and I'm sure listeners will get a lot of value from the conversation that we've had. Richard, big thanks. It, it was really a pleasure to be here. I really enjoyed the discussion and also the, the tough questions. <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, thank you again. And thanks to all of our listeners. Thank you for tuning into The Insiders. Please subscribe on your preferred podcasting site to ensure you are notified of all new episodes as and when they're published. And if you'd like to learn more about Durham Lane and our unique method of selling at a higher level, visit durhamlane.com for more information. And see you next time. The Insiders by Durham Lane. Subscribe today to never miss an episode.